Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 63 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, where this week we're all flying high yet again. Spirits of the Blues in number three in the uh, the official top 40. We're all doing the Macarena in our living rooms while we record today. And we're also joined by another Evertonian, friend of the show, been on before, and that's, that's Matty Dillon. Matty, how are you, mate? Are you, uh, are you doing a bit of a dance yourself? Yeah, funny enough, Mike, um... My father-in-law was 60 yesterday, and uh, I've never thought I'd see him doing the Macarena before. Um, but we were all doing it in the living room when, uh, when Yeri edited that one in. So, yeah, that's something I'll, that's something I'll uh, I can ne- I'll never forget, to be honest with you. It was uh, it was superb. But like you just said, mate, we're, we're, we're all flying high, aren't we? What a, what a start with me, and uh, long may it continue. Totally correct, mate. And that's obviously, we're going we're gonna to mull over the, the game against Brighton, of course we are. Um, but be, before, we, before we do that, I'll I'll have a brief chat if we can about overall the start of the season. Seven games in, four in the league, three in the league cup, twenty-four goals scored, nine different goal scorers off the top of uh, of my head. We're absolutely flying, and it couldn't have gone any better, could it, Pete? No, absolutely not. I don't think anybody would have written the start of the season. Um... Not, not even the most positive of, of, of Evertonians. Uh, and I, I think, to be fair, when we all saw the team sheet against Brighton, probably I think every Blue would have had the same questions in their head. Number one, what Gilfie Sigurdsson's going to turn up? Number two, has Tom Davies found his level? And will he get found out against really tough Brighton midfield? Um, and number three, will we be the same team without you know Alan and Gomez in particular in that midfield? And boy, did they prove us, um, well, yeah, the, the, I think those players really proved the point, didn't they? They were absolutely fantastic from the off. The pace we started the game was fantastic to see. You know, really took the game to Brighton, really aggressive um, and really deserved everything we got from the match. It, it's probably fair to say, again, you know, we've had another week where we played a League Cup game as well in midweek. And um, again, we give another, another side an absolute spanking in, in West Ham. Um but we're taking we're taking the that, that form from the League Cup into the league. You know, we're, we're scoring goals for fun. We've seen that across obviously the number of games we play. We're averaging over three goals a game across the board. Um for a side that you know struggled to create and struggled struggle to score the back end of last season after lockdown. It's great to see us creating so many chances, isn't it Matty? It is, mate. It's been absolutely superb, hasn't it? Like you said, um, it's just great the way even, obviously, some of the lads who were uh, doing much maligned last season um, about putting a shift in, the way, you know, they've sort of come to the fore as well. You know, I looked at Iwobi yesterday when he came on and he just looks like a completely different player to what we saw, you know, in an Everton shirt last season. I thought he had a great game. Um, and obviously, you say, throughout the squad, Gilfie as well. Um, I'll be honest, when I looked at the team sheets, 
I think it's that's a pick and position for me now between him and um, and Andre Gomez in terms of the way they both started the season. Because uh, say Gilfy, Gilfy looks like back to his best as well, and for once we actually look like we've got a you know really strong strong squad. Um, I mean, we're all hopefully um, going to get another couple of players in. I'd say maybe by tomorrow, or like you said, Mike. You know, obviously before the window shuts over here. Um, but you know, every, everything's looking good, and you know, obviously you look at you look at some of the results as well, um, especially the ones today. I mean. Everyone's positive, aren't they? Why can't why can't we? You know why can't we keep pushing on and, and see where we go? Sigurdsson there as well, because you know after what happened maybe over the last eighteen months with Gilfie Sigurdsson, he, he's taken a lot of stick from a, a lot of fans, and you can understand it because he's he's not performed. He was asked to play out of his his normal position uh, in a, in a formation that that doesn't really suit him. But he he, he came in. Again yesterday and in midweek, and he does look look like a rejuvenated player when he's he's been given a bit more of a, of a free roll further forward, and he showed that again yesterday. The nearly Giffy Sigurdsson, he, he he's you know being more creative and other assists for him again from a, re- a really you know quick thinking from a corner, uh, puts a great little lofted ball across to, to Calvert Lewin. But Sigurdsson is definitely a player who's benefiting from probably the the impact of, of more quality in and around him on the pitch, isn't he? Well, you just took the words out of my mouth then, mate. It's funny what, it, what being surrounded by better footballers does to you, doesn't it? And uh, and that's exactly the case in point for Sigurdsson. Same with, I agree with you, Matt. I think Iwobi's been been fantastic as well um, since he's come in. Obviously, he had a, a slight injury. He's looked pretty sharp in the cup. He's had a few assists there. He scored a couple of goals. Um, you know, again, the, the, the squad just feels really, really buoyant. You know, if you look at uh, Carlo's uh, post-match comments now, the words he's using is momentum. Let's keep this momentum going. You know, he senses that the squad now are playing with supreme confidence. Every one of them, and he knows he's been around the game long enough. He knows what that's like in football. You know, if you can keep that going, then that's absolutely fantastic for the club. Because you know, there's going to come a point. There is going to come a sticking point. Where we are going to probably have a you know a, a tough patch, no doubt, at some point. But at the moment, if we carry on keeping... Imagine what the confidence would be like if we win that derby in a couple of weeks. I mean, it'd be off the scale, wouldn't it? Absolutely off the scale. Uh, and we're certainly playing well enough to give them a load of problems. Massively. You know, Liverpool aren't, haven't looked great at the back since the start of the season. If we can put out you know, our best 11 in that game, or best fit 11 in that game, we will 100% cause them issues. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, you saw yesterday. I mean, they've clearly targeted Hammers, didn't they? You know, we all thought, you know, is Hammer's going to turn up on a cold, wet, windy, you know, uh, day uh, Goodison. On top of that, you could see within the first five minutes, you know, that, that, you know, I think Pete, you texted a group, didn't you, to say, look, he's getting absolutely classed already. You know, he's been surrounded and getting classed. And you could see they were targeting him. And you know what? I was a little bit worried that we were going to um, revert to type with that midfield. Uh, and you know what? In patches, we did. We, cer- we, certainly, we certainly invited him on. Um, in the second half, uh, after you know, a couple of times we invited him on, and you know, I, I must admit, for as well as we played, and we played brilliant, and you know, we deserve to win. You know, if we're being perfectionists, and Carlo certainly will be because we know what he's like, he won't have liked the way we finished that last 15 minutes. He won't have liked that at all. The way we just okay, he did set us up for 5 4 1, but the way we were just sloppy at the back, the way we were giving the ball away. You know, and, and that goal was coming, wasn't it? I mean, albeit it was a worldie, let, let's have it right. It was coming, wasn't it? Um, but no, look, overall, seven out of seven. What a time to be a, a, an Evertonian at the minute. And and what a time to be Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. Uh, you know, 
a, a player who we said it last week didn't score post lockdown. Uh, bagged, bagged a few obviously in pre-season, a short pre-season. He's he's kicked on. He's been called up this week by England, which is fantastic for for him. Uh, great for his family, as he said. You know, there's a few tears shed from his his parents and himself to get the call up. And as much as obviously we're not massive advocates of international football, I don't particularly care for England myself personally. It's, it's always come over country for me. Always has been for him personally. It's a great achievement for a kid, you know, uh, coming from Sheffield United, um, being written off, being played at right wing back by uh, Ronald Koeman. Um, you know, not a career highlight, I'm sure not. Um, and he's even being moulded, you know, with, with the, the shooters of Duncan Ferguson, Carlo Ancelotti, into a, a top, top class striker. And he's, he's, bagged, he's bagged again, you know, and to see him score again, Peter, the weekend, to, to keep that run going. And we said before, you can be quiet, can't he? But he, he's, he's proven to be a poacher, isn't he? He's scoring all the time with this one touch, isn't he? Deserves everything that's coming to him. It's been fantastic. I mean, going back to what you just said there about the end of last season, and he maybe went through a little bit of a dry patch. Uh, dry patch. He, he was still doing all the right things. He was still getting into the right positions. He was still getting chances. He works so hard. And like we said last week on the pod, he's showing how adaptable he is. He's showing that he can take on, um, you know, coaching, advice, change his game. And he's on a massive upward uh, you know, trajectory, isn't he? Um, and I just hope he stays fit because I, I can't, I, I can't see it stopping. I, I, I really can't. Um, if we keep that, you know, core front three fit, I really think the sky's the limit for Calvert Lewin. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts, Matty, on on on, uh, on Dominic? We discussed him at length, obviously, over the last last couple of weeks, of course, yeah, because he started the season on fire, but. He's one of those players, wasn't he, who he's coming for so much stick in, you know, the last, say, 12 months or so. We, we saw him make a massive improvement, probably from when Duncan Ferguson took over uh, as interim manager last season before Carlo came in. He certainly kicked on under under Carlo as well. But what are your thoughts now with, with him leading that line as, as the, the centre point of that three? It's him, James, Richarlison. He, he looks like, like a totally different player, doesn't he? He does, mate. It, to be honest, he looks he looks like the complete striker, doesn't he? Um, and certainly in terms of this, this season, you know, he's got obviously he's got that presence about him. Um, you know, he bounces defenders around these days, which obviously what he what he didn't used to do. Um, great in the air, he's got a good touch. You know, left foot, right foot. He just seems to have every, everything, and you know, obviously he's got nine goals already. Um, I know Carlo says. Hopefully him and Richie should be looking at 20 goals apiece. But, you know, you look, he's got nine goals already. I think he's probably going to have to revisit that. Surely he's got to be looking at 30, hasn't he? <laughs> you know, you, you, you could you could say he's on for about... Someone worked out he's on for about 74 goals this season. <laughs> and his current mates now, obviously, whether that happens or not is a different story. But most definitely, you know, when, when you get that 20 goals, whenever that may be, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. You then start readjusting, OK, what, what, what are your goals? And it's, it's a great turnaround for him. But it, you know, it'd be a miss for us not to mention the two either side. Obviously, Richardson against Brighton, he was touch and go whether he was going to make it after the injury suffered against West Ham. I think I think I thought deep down, even if he if he started, yeah, they're going to single him out, and he did, and he clattered him early on. And there's another one where he nipped in, laid the ball off, and someone came in a bit late, and he sort of again he, he hobbled a bit, and then he was taken again. Um, and it was one of those where okay, he's not going to be too serious. But I think he's so pivotal to that front three and the quality, not only going forward, 
But defensively, I think I put out he'd, he'd made before yesterday's game 24 ball recoveries in three Premier League games, which for someone who's playing effectively as, as one of the forward three is a phenomenal stat, isn't it? Um, but even after, after 20 minutes, like like we said, Obi comes on at a decent game again. Um, but Hammers Rodriguez, you know, we say he was singled out himself, but yet again, you know, he's just he's just a difference between so many times. He's a difference between winning or losing, um, winning, losing or drawing a game for me. And you look at him again yesterday, Lee, bags two goals, gets an assist, and he's just on, he's just on a different planet really to other players, isn't he? Like you, you, you asked me the same thing about him uh, last week, and you run out of superlatives for him to describe him, don't you? I mean, you know, arguably, you could say he probably didn't have his his his, his best game, and he still came away with two goals and assists. But before that, I think he, you know, am I right in saying he's created the most big chances in the league so far mm-hmm. this season? He's created fifteen. Yeah, I mean that's just that's ridiculous, isn't it? And you know, I think he's only sprinted about three times as well in the whole in the start of the season. <laughs> it? So it just proves that you know. You don't have to. You don't have to be able to run around here to be class. Um, but no, mate. He, 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 you know, he just looked dangerous every time. If you look at both those goals, which were almost identical, by the way, it's the way. Obviously, look, he intercepted one, didn't he? And even his touch for that was it was, was a silky touch for the interception. But it's the way he, he just cleverly finds space. Everyone got attracted to the ball, and he just drifted slowly. He almost walked into the back post there, and obviously had, both, had two tappings. Um, I mean. Both those goals, I mean, you've got to give huge credit to uh, um, Iwobi for me. Um, I know Decore got the assist for the second one, but um, his through ball there that sliced him open there to put Decore in, uh, and obviously he clipped it to Hamed. That's a, that's the sort of pass you'd expect Hamed to be doing, wouldn't you? I mean, mm-hmm. how many of us there would, would have spotted that pass? You know, the amount of times we've watched Hamed this season, you know it's class. You saw him do it against West Ham the other day, obviously, when he played Charleston in. Um, and obviously, it was unlucky, unlucky uh, for Richarlison, it was offside. But you know he's class when you're watching the match and you're thinking, I didn't even see that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't even see that. And that's the difference. This is what this lad gives you every single game. Almost, dare I say it, De Bruyne-esque. He just does something, you know, a pass or a couple of passes or whatever, and you just think, wow, this, this guy is a special player. And he did that uh, both in midweek and obviously uh, uh, this weekend as well. Um, but mate, I know you wanted to talk about the goals, Mike, didn't you? So I'll let, I'll let you talk, talk about them anyway. Well, no, yeah. I mean, we, we've touched on, obviously, Calvert-Lewin's bag. It was great to see Yerry Mina get a goal. Um, at, we, well, do you reckon Cal, that was worked on that, by the way? 100%. It, it, it looked like that was worked on that, didn't it? A short corner and Siggy just did a little shimmy and then played it back stick. It's a great routine. I mean, when when you've got obviously the, the quality of Calvert Loon in the air anyway, you know how good he is and how, how strong and powerful he is in the air. But it's definitely being worked on a little short corner. It was a great ball. Sigerson on his left foot actually to, to dink it across. Yeah, uh, Loon. Yeah, it was a great ball and Calvert Loon all day, every day, running on the, on the defender, on his back, no messing. And you know, they're the kind of goals that you probably see this allowed in this, this day and age. But at the end of the day, he was just bigger, he was stronger, wanted the ball more. And you don't want anyone else but him. Um, at the back post to score that but Yerry Mina yesterday obviously he bagged his goal it was so, I think I read, read it was the first time in Premier League history a goal had been assisted and scored by a Colombian there's a bit of a fact there for you uh, like, like our facts on this show don't we um, <laughs> but a great obviously great ball from James again Yerry great in the air we've seen it quite a few times for ourselves 
and for Colombia. Um, but I thought, yeah, you mean it. Was absolutely exceptional, especially late on. We we mentioned there we we sort of went back to old habits a little bit, and we we tried we tried to sort of coast in me the last sort of fifteen minutes. We brought Brighton on, um, and obviously they scored a goal and stopped its time. But Mina made a couple of of quality quality blocks all along the way, didn't he, Matty? He did, mate. I thought I thought he was great yesterday, um, and as well, obviously the game before against Palace, I thought he stood up really well as as well in that game. Um, I think obviously he had a bit of an iffy game, didn't he, against West Brom? Um, but obviously to come back and put a couple of performances in that he has was brilliant. Um, and I think again, th- th- I'm sure him and Michael Keane and obviously Mason as well. Like I've looked at it with you know Ben Godfrey looking like he's going to be coming in soon and. There's that much competition for places that they can't they can't rest on the laurels anymore. I don't think um, and putting performances that we saw towards the end of last season because obviously someone's just going to get in there and take your place. Um, but yeah, thought thought yeah he was great yesterday and uh, like you said, obviously uh, Hammers putting balls in for him. God, you know he must be absolutely made up on the training ground and games uh, to have to have that sort of service. Like, but uh, yeah, I was saying again, Hammers, though, what a musician. And again, I just find it baffling um, in terms of like the. The mainstream media, the amount of people who actually said that he was going to be a flop, um, and obviously, you know, you've only got to look at you know the, the first few games of the season and just in terms of what he's doing and the stats, etc. Um, to obviously put pay to that, but I'm sure that's something we'll probably touch on later on as well. Well, no, let's let's dive in now because, and it's funny you mention that because um, one of one of our former guests, he's been on quite a few times, Callum. Um, Put out a clip before from the the Sky Sports show Saturday Social shocking shocking show by the way. I know you commented on the post, Matty, that, that that we put out, and you know it's one of them where they get people who play FIFA together and they discuss players as if you know they they, they just transfer them, bring them into the ultimate team on FIFA. And Hammers was brought up, and Everton were brought up, and you know oh yeah, Hammers has done that since the 2014 World Cup. The same the same line we've heard countless times from people. And I and I said, you know, if you're, going to, if you're going to put yourself in the public eye, you've got to research your, your subject matter. And, you know, if you're going to go on these kind of shows, at least have the common sense to look into a player and see what he has done since the 2014 World Cup. And th- these are the kind of things which, you know, when we when we sort of put things out, Everton fans, probably because we see it more than anyone else, we, we like to go back to people, don't we, when, when things are said, same with Ancelotti when he was first linked. Again, we put something out this morning because I was in one of those moods where I thought, right, I'm going to start winding a few people up and, and you know, a bit, a bit of a told you so in a way. Um, when when we were linked with Ancelotti and it was like, why would he go there? It's a level below him. Everton built with Ancelotti. Did it, all this, you know, and these are from people who played the game, so-called pundits. And I think the thing with me is that you, you've got to, if you're going to, as I say, be in, in, the, uh, in the public eye, at least research things. But don't have, have your own agenda. If you don't like Everton, if you're Liverpool fan, which one of these lads was on the show, don't let it show. Just, just, just you know, say it for what it is. James Rodriguez is still a world-class player. Look at, his, look at his figures. Look at the goals. Look at the assists, especially under Carlo Ancelotti. Look at what he's done since the 2014 World Cup. It's no surprise to me that he's come in and he set the Premier League alight. No surprise to me, he's nominated for the for the Player of the Month. It's no surprise to me that we're banging in goals for fun because we've got a player like like Hammers Rodriguez in and around that front three all the time. And that that's all we really sort of need to say. But Peter, I mean, I'm sure you'll echo what, what I say. But that kind of thing that obviously Matty's mentioned about obviously what 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 
you know, pundits and people uh, on social media say it must rile you because it certainly riles me. Of course, by people that don't have a clue. Not only don't have a clue about Everton or the club, but, you know, Lee made a, a comparison earlier with, with uh, De Bruyne and Rodriguez. But it's absolutely right. He's bang, he's bang on because when you look at the, you know, expected goals, expected assists for games played, he's on a par. That's how good he is. That's how good he is. And the, the best thing for me about the Brighton game, it's lashing down. It's miserable. He got kicked to bits for the first 15, 20 minutes. Not, they weren't doubling up on him. They tripled up on him. Mm. And he just did what he wanted. He came inside. He still found a way to get on the ball. Scored two goals and got an assist. That's how good he is. You know, it's like Ancelotti said in his, in his comments. Good players don't need to adapt. That's how good he is. He's world class. And his, hair, think, and his hair was out of place, Pete, because of the weather. <laughs> the thing is, though, it still looked great, didn't it? it still looked oh, great. I was going to say, he still looked boss. Yeah, it did, you know. It Lovely did. smile, hasn't it? Lovely smile. <laughs> Lovely smile. <laughs> I love that picture. He does need to go to uh, Jürgen and uh, Firmino's uh, dentist in Liverpool, put it that way, does he? Certainly not. I think I think he's sort of been there, done that. You know what I mean? For many, many years, he's 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 a uh, pristine, isn't he? Um, Hamas Rodriguez. But that picture where he puts his two fingers up, obviously to say I've scored two goals. I think that that's been used quite widely this morning and today, which which is great. By the way, we use that every single time someone slags us off. I'm sure we will. But it's just great. I mean, I'm sure we're all thinking the same. He's going to go away now with Colombia, and we want him wrapped in cotton wool. You know what I mean? It's not great. He's travelling obviously across to to South America. He's got to come back a day or two before the Merseyside derby, which is not fantastic either. Um, I know it means a lot to him to play for his country, but we, we want the best hammers of the league at Goodison Park on October the 17th, don't we? And from a selfish point of view, it's it's key that you know that they look after him and, and, and he comes back unscathed. Um, we're, we're going to touch on obviously on Liverpool game shortly, but it would be sort of you know. If we don't mention Brighton goals, I know you've mentioned the, the world leader who scored the second goal, uh, but we've got to mention that first goal. And we mentioned before recording about Pickford, and it's, it's really difficult because you don't want to sit here and think that, you know, we're singling a player out for making mistakes. And I've, I say it time and time again, I, I sympathise with goalkeepers all where if you make a mistake, it generally leads to a goal. It's, it's in, in the spotlight all the time. It's talked about all the time. For Jordan Pickford, I think he's made is it twelve mistakes since he signed for us, which have which have led to a goal, which is the most for any any goalkeeper in that time. Um, and the goal that that Brighton scored yesterday, that the uh, that first goal, he certainly wasn't um, filled with with a lot of glory in what he did. You know, conditions were poor. It was so it was really slippy. Of course, the ball was slippy. But if you look back at the goalie, and I've, I've watched it now numerous times, I still could not work out what has actually gone on there and how he's come. I said to you on the phone yesterday, how he's come to knock the ball so far away from where he was. I just, I, I don't know what he's done. Maybe you can, you can enlighten me on that. Well, obviously, unlike you, you know, he was a world-class keeper in your day, mate. I, I'm not really <laughs> a keeper to comment on it. But what you do know is, is he's making too many mistakes. He is making far too many mistakes. We were, we were, we were, we were coasting. I wouldn't say we were coasting as we have been in other games, but we were certainly well in charge. And that goal just gives them, you know, just gives them a lift, doesn't it? It just gives them a lift that they don't need. And and, and that's that. That's for me. He did it in the cup. 
And obviously, we went on to win that comfortably in the end. But, you know, this gives teams, if he keeps on making these mistakes, Pete, you've said it before, it's only a matter of time before he does it in a high-profile game. You know I mean? He's already done one in the derby where he's thrown away, you know, practically threw it into his own net when Origi came in. And, you know, I just cannot, with the, with the fact we're talking about him in pretty much every podcast now, says what says it all. We shouldn't be having to talk about the keeper at all, should we? You know what I mean? The keeper should really, you know, the sign of a good keeper is that you don't even need to talk about them because they're just, they're just so good at what they do. And they don't make, you know, they barely make any howlers. And what I don't know what he was thinking there. I just don't know. The guy's kicked it into the ground. If he's got any any sort of worry about trying to trying to keep hold of it, just tip it over. It was bouncing up over his head anyway. Just lift it over. Okay, we have to defend a corner. Fair enough. But I mean, yeah, it just, for me, he's just, um, we we need to, we need to revisit it sooner than later. And I know I know he's come out Carlo recently and said, you know, he's got no intention to replace the keeper. But um, yeah, I just think I just think Jordan really really needs to step up his game here. He really does because that is an absolute shocker. And in the second half as well, right? How many of you guys when we were what three one up, four one up? Even then, you're thinking even with this lad in goal here, we could we could, could see goals here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean and. There's a, there's a cross that came in and he parried it, didn't he? Pushed it out to, to, to Mope and basically gifted him another goal. And to be fair, if it wasn't for Tom Davis's tackle, that's 3-2. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden they're back in it again. And, and, and I just I, I honestly don't know what to say. I think every time he makes a mistake as well, you can knock a couple of million quid off his price. Mm. I, I had this, this discussion briefly on Twitter where I was saying it doesn't, you know, you had that Martinez who, who went from Arsenal to Aston Villa for 20 odd million quid uh, a couple of weeks ago. And as, as you know, Jordan Pickford, England number one. So whether people think that he's world class or not, or on a particular level, he's still trusted by the England manager to, to play for his country. So that comes with a premium straight away. As, as the England goalkeeper, he will always come with a particular price. And you're still going to be talking 35, 40 million pounds for Jordan Pickford. But like you say, Lee, the more of these kind of, it's not even like, you know, he's, he's slipped over it, it's gone in. These are high-profile mistakes, these, which we've said it already. He will do it in a game this season where we can't come back from it. He could do it in the derby in, in a couple of weeks. And against a quality Liverpool side, we might then struggle, as good as we are going forward, we might then struggle to get back in the game and win the game. So how long can we afford to have a goalkeeper who's not at the level of maybe the rest of the side. Um, it's clear that Carlo thought there was bigger areas to address in this summer window, and he has done in that central midfield area with Alain Decore, obviously an attacking threat in, in Hamas Rodriguez. And he's also got, obviously, the centre-half over the line, it looks like, in, in Ben Godfrey. Um, but, but, Matty, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Pickford? You know, is it time... You know, do do we bite the bullet before the window ends and try and get someone in on a short-term deal, or can we afford to wait until next summer? Personally, mate, I'd love to see someone like a Romero, uh, someone like that come in, mate, who's got a bit of experience in the Prem. Well, not not just experience in the Prem, but obviously he's experienced keeper, um, and obviously someone to push him. Um, I mean, obviously, I keep an eye on stuff in the Italian headlines, and there's there's obviously stuff getting rumoured about Donnarumma now, isn't he? Because he's out of contract, and obviously with the Raiola links and, and stuff like that with with our club, 
Um, who knows? Maybe at the end of at the end of the season, we could we could look at getting him. But I think it definitely needs to be addressed because I mean, I saw a tweet earlier on what someone said, and I totally agree. In terms of like, you could have Baresi and Maldini as your two centre halves, but if your keeper isn't a great keeper, then obviously it, it's going to go right through the teams and same in terms of like names and and stuff like that. And exactly, you know, like what Lee was saying before, even when we went four one up. There's something in your back of your mind thinking like if 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 a cross comes in the box is, it, is he going to throw one in you know and, and we you know we start getting nervous again, um but I think yeah probably at the start of the season I'm not sure whether Carlo would have been looking at it as like a position to really strengthen in terms of obviously what we were looking for but the more and more the, these errors keep happening I, th- I think it's going to come to the crunch where he's going to have to address it sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's hard to defend. I mean, Carlo has done, hasn't he? He's he's started to take the heat away from him, and he has defended him. And you saw Pickford after he, he you know he scored the first goal, he started volleying the post and all sorts. And he knows he's not stupid. I mean, we all know, but he he must think to himself, probably when am I going to get a break and when am I going to stop making mistakes? And confidence is a very brittle and fragile thing, especially for a goalkeeper, especially when you're the only player in that position on the pitch for your team. Um, it's so hard and. Because he's made so many mistakes in recent weeks, the heat will constantly just be increasing and increasing. And who knows when England play Wales in in the friendly? Southgate might think, well, okay, I know that you're you know you're fine for us when it comes to those competitive games. In a friendly, it might be time for Nick Pope to get it to get a, a go and see how he gets on. Uh, we don't know, but Pickford's got he's got to step up because I don't see us doing anything in this window to, to replace Jordan Pickford. You know, Donnarumma great next summer if, if someone like that can come in. You know that will take us to a next level because my concern is that if you haven't got a goalkeeper who's at a particular level, you will not win a trophy. So he could cost us quarterfinals of the the League Cup. They come up in December against Man United, massive game. Could cost us in that game. We started the season really well. Who knows? We could be pushing top four, top six. Get to March, cost us in a couple of games, and it can happen to any goalkeeper. But the the, the stats don't lie. And the stats say that he, he makes mistakes more often than not, and more often than, than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League, unfortunately. So, again, something to sort of for us to, to look on maybe in the summer, but hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't cost us um, in the remainder of, of this season. You know what the funny thing about him is, though? You got to a pen shootout with Pickford in goal, you'd be confident? Of course, you would. Of course, you would. He's going to save one, at least. Mm. I know, I know. I, I think it's, we've talked about it before. I don't want to labour the point too much because, as I said, we feel like we're talking about him every week, which is not what we should be. But we're being drawn to because of the way he's playing. But um, yeah, you're right, Pete. He, he, he's a great penny. He's a great shot stopper in general. Yeah. Really, he just the, the, the basics of goalkeeping, commanding your box, good with your feet nowadays. You know, just generally being a safe pair of hands. You know, where defenders can trust that you're going to come and get it. Um, you know, they they. The likes of Keane, who's been brilliant, by the way. Mina had a good game. You know, they must be thinking, Jesus, what's he going to do next? You know, and then, we, you know, we, luckily we've been, you know, because of scoring for fun at the minute, it's, it's 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 working out for us. But that game could have easily gone another way there. You know, when when they scored to make it, uh, to make it one one, they were on top. They had a spell for half time before Mina got the goal where they were on top. You know, and and we did get a little glimpse. I don't know whether you boys picked it up, but in that spell just before half time. And obviously, uh, in the second half, after we got the couple of goals, um, we had a little glimpse back into like our, our, our past life there, didn't we? You know, because um, you know the midfield was being quite, quite passive again, passive in the tackle, non-progressive with the passing. The only person who was really looking to go forward 
was Decore, who I thought had an outstanding game. Um, but you know, Davis went to right to right back. I thought Davis had played pretty well in, in, in uh, up until he had to switch uh, to go to right back. And then obviously Delph comes on, and Delph, you know, as well as he played in the cup, just loves to have about fifty touches of the ball. Loves to just like go back and loves to just play basically non-plus passes. You know, mm. there's one bit where he, he got it in the fullback slot, and then he just tried to launch it, and it led to them having a shot on, to, you know, just off target. I don't and, know why you know, he did that as well because he created space and he could have played it with, with his just right foot. And he comes back inside and and puts it fairly low with his left foot. It was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Just keep, yeah, but this is what I'm saying. We got a little glimpse back into our, like I said, our previous life there last season, you know, where you know we were basically playing. Um, you know, non-progressive football, really, for want of a better word. Um, and that just shows you how much Alan has made to us. You know, Alan, not only is he aggressive in the tackle, he always play, seems to be playing forward passes, doesn't he? You know, and uh, unlike, obviously, you know, some of the other lads who are just looking just to keep the ball for the sake of keeping the ball. Uh, but look, it's, it's, you know, I'm not trying to end on a negative here, but I just want to mention a couple of players there. And I thought Decore, I don't know what you lads thought, but he was everywhere there in that midfield, wasn't he? Every time you looked up, he was either closing down the centre-backs he was flying into tackles. He obviously, he, he, you know, he, he broke for the goal that, on that counter-attack, you know, and he obviously great little dink pass for the outside of his left foot to Hammers, who had a tap-in. So, you know, some real positives to be had. But Carlo, Carlo will look at that, as I said before, and be like, right, this is, the, you know, this is what we've got to work on because we're not the finished article whatsoever. Yeah, I, I mean, the Corey, for me, was an important signing as Alan, I think. We we've looked at him obviously for a couple of years. We know what he's all about. He's got he's got leg. He's got a great engine. Um, but like you said, you know we we've seen him since since we've his we've obviously started the season. We've seen him in various circumstances. Tottenham recovering to make that tackle. Crystal Palace recovering to make a tackle. And like you say, against Brighton, he's he's all over the pitch. And he's just a, it's just a welcome addition to that midfield. And and him and Alan. Allowing obviously Gomez, I think, to work on his game and, and have a little bit more freedom. You mentioned that obviously Matty Sigurdsson, he, he's he's come in uh, like Andre Gomez, and he's had a, had a decent start of the season. He's back amongst the goals, amongst the assists as well, which is obviously really important because we were moaning that he wasn't putting uh, much on a play for for our players last season. So it's it's great. The core the core is so important to that side, um, and and for me. Yesterday, you could split man the match between probably him, Yerimina, and and Hammers for the fact that he, he got a couple of goals and, and an assist. But it's just great, isn't it? You know, we're, we're, to, to be where we are after four games in the league, um, three games in the cup as well, looking like yeah, might might can see one or two, but we'll score, we'll go and score three or four, um, which which is a good place to be in. But Looking forward, we need, we need to obviously shore things up, and, and and that might come. That might come with obviously the return of Mason Holgate as well, as well as Keane and Mina have done. Holgate is, is our best centre half for me. Um, obviously Ben Godfrey's coming from Norwich. Um, look, looks a, a bright chance. He can also play his number six role as well, which is would be good for ourselves for that cover in centre mid. Um, but what one thing that I, that I, I want to discuss if we can um, is the start of the season's been so good, and you know. Is is having no fans in the ground something which is to the benefit of Everton? What, what do you think, Matthew? Because I know your opinion on fans of football, um, and I know obviously what you were saying uh, when we when we came back from lockdown last season. What are your thoughts on the impact of fans on Everton at the moment? 
it's a strange one, mate, isn't it? Because you, you, you look at it, um, especially since the start of the season, and obviously we've shed it a light. But then obviously you look at the back end of last season after the lockdown and obviously how poor we were. So obviously it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? I think in terms of the impact on the whole league, you look at the, the amount of away wins, um, probably since obviously the lockdowns happened and they, they restarted. And especially this season, obviously you look at the results today. Um, I just don't think there's there's a fear factor anymore for, for any teams who are going away because it's basically just like a neutral, it's a neutral venue more or less, isn't it? Um, and I, th- I think that that, that's paying a, a massive, um, a massive amount on, on on where teams certainly are in the league at the minute. And I think looking at our squad, and obviously maybe it, it's a lot better now. But we have got there's quite a lot of confidence players. I'd say probably still in that squad. Um, so to be going away to these grounds and obviously there's no fans and it's not very hostile. I think it only benefits us going forward. And and the funny the funny thing is obviously. It is going to benefit us, we think, going forward. And you mentioned there about other other teams who are going away from home. I mean, we've seen, obviously, Spurs beat United 6-1. As much as United went down to 10 men, you think if there was a crowd in there, they wouldn't allow their players to switch off with 10 men. You know, I'm sure when Martial got sent off, for example, Lamella should have gone at the same time if you're going to start these red cards. I'm sure, yeah. yeah, I'm sure the impact of the fans there, they wouldn't let the referee off the hook. And he probably would have forced his hand to look at giving Lamella a red card as well. So fans play such an integral part. Um, and we, we mentioned when we came back from lockdown that maybe certain players who are fragile in terms of confidence, Tom Davis maybe being be one, Sigurdsson, another one, for example, they, they might benefit from, from having having no fans. And uh, what, what, what are your thoughts, Pete, on that? Because, you know, I, I think, like, like, like uh, Matty's mentioned then, going away, the fear factor is not there anymore. You're not getting greeted by hostility. Imagine, imagine Man City going up, going away to Leeds, as we saw, finished finished one all. But Man City go there with fans. You probably see Leeds win the game, wouldn't you? But what what, what are your thoughts in terms of the impact on no fans on on Everton at the moment? I mean, I I, I agree to an extent. I, I think the thing is, we're good at some park, and I'm clearly biased. You know, I think Evertonians are football people. And I think what that means is if you don't do the basic things well, there's no hiding place at Goodison Park and the fans are not very forgiving. Um, So, you know, you know, going back to last season when things were not going well under Silver and certain players weren't pulling the weight, weren't standing in the right place, weren't playing the easy pass. Yeah, the fans are going to get on your back. However, I think under Ancelotti with this team, it's very different. Uh, and obviously the way the world is at the moment, I think we're all just dying to be back. And that's probably colouring my opinion a little bit. But I think it would only benefit us to have the fans there. I think especially the away fans. Again, for you know, for me, Everton away fans are just magical. Um, and I, yeah, I, I can't wait to get on the road. Uh, hopefully see some, some more games. Yeah. It's a shame though, isn't it, Lee? You know, Pete mentioned there, we're all chopping a bit to get back, aren't we? You know, we, we want to be in their support and Everton, see, seeing us winning games by, you know, m- many, many goals, playing some, probably the best attacking football we, we've seen for many, many years under Ancelotti with, with the quality of James, Alan, Decore, Richardson's on fire, Calvert Lewin's on fire. You know, we, we, we want to get back in there, don't we? And, and, and watch these players live and see them in front of our own eyes. Oh, massively, mate. Absolutely massively. Eh? 
for me, this whole argument, this whole thing, it's, it's a double-edged sword for me because if you're really going to ask the question, you know, what is, you know, why are why can Goodison be quite toxic? And there's probably not just one simple answer to it. It's a, it's a mixture of answers, isn't it? You know, so for a lot of people, it's the fact we've not worn anything for so long, you know, and, and obviously been starved of success. Particularly people from my sort, of, you know, my sort of dad's generation who watched us win a lot of trophies in, in sort of the time that they, you know, they are our age now. Uh, then you've got obviously the next generation of young young fans again. Like I said, have only just seen us win an FA Cup. Some of us haven't even seen us win that. You know, um, so f- from from that standpoint, you then start to think, you know, what is it? But then you look at Moyes. I look at Moyes' team, and there wasn't much. To- Can you guys remember? I can't really remember. There wasn't really much toxicity surrounding his team, was there? Thinking Moyes endeared himself to the fans. He labelled as the people club and things like that, yeah. But he built a team, like Pete just alluded to it before, a team of workers, real grafters, and then added a bit of talent around that, didn't he? But fundamentally, they were a real hard-working, what I would call very much a, a sort of an Evertonian identity side, really, or what people identify as an Everton side. And Moyes did that. Uh, and then obviously added the likes of Arteta and Pinars and people like that. But... Um, after that, there's been so many up and downs, and there's been so many. We had that one season under Martinez where we got to a couple of semis. You know, uh, we've sort of on the verge of maybe doing something. There's just been far too many sort of false dawns, and I think for me that they really, at the moment, dare I say, it, it kind of benefits us not not having fans there. I think, and that's a real controversial thing to say. It is a controversial thing to say. But it does benefit us. It benefits us not having any fans there, um, at the minute. I think the players, certain players, um, particularly the likes of you just said there, Mike Sigurdsson, I'd put Michael Keane in that bracket and a few others, um, they would benefit from not having 30-odd thousand people screaming at them, tell, telling, them, telling them what they've done wrong or whatever. Um, and in a weird way, I think it will benefit us by the time we do come back to the game the fans will see what, what Carlo is building. You know, look, look at Carlo. I mean, every time he's in a press conference now, he just says the right thing every time, doesn't he? You mm. know what I mean? Says the right thing about the club, says the right thing about the players, makes the players feel, you know, 100 foot tall. I think the fans now will get behind this because they can feel there's something. They can feel there's something now. And when we do, you know, as I said, there's going to be some dips. We are going to have probably a bad run or two at, at some point. When we do eventually go back, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, I think fans will have more patience. And we've used this term patience on so many podcasts. Fans will have this patience now because they can actually see. A, they can see an identity. B, they can see is obviously winning games, you know, grounds we've never won at for, for, for God knows how long. We're playing a certain style of football. We're scoring goals. And, you know, I think fans will give will be more lenient uh, when it comes to I don't know what you, you guys think, but I've tried to kind of summarise that sort of point there, really. Do you know what? What you said then in regards to almost buying patience, if you like. So having having no one in the ground to, to witness the performances, obviously we're, we're, we're seeing them all on television, but there's nothing better than being there and watching in the flesh. But that point about having patience now and us winning games and us playing a particular way and having certain players on the pitch, when we do get back into the ground, the fans will be... I mean, the fans are fully on board now. At the end of the day, we've got Spirits of the Blues number three in the charts or something ridiculous like that, which is like, what? what what's that about? You know, all, all 
all from from obviously a couple of fellas on Twitter starting a bit of a craze off, and it's it's gone around the world, you know. And if if that doesn't show that your fans are on board, nothing will. And when we do get back on the ground, imagine if if we keep on ticking over and winning games, picking up points, you know, got you know, what what happens if we get to get to a you know a semi final final? What happens if we win something? I'm not, I'm not back in the ground, imagine it. But that point about patience is probably the, the key thing to take from this. Winning games and being in a particular position in the league will most definitely get people on board. And it's so it's having no fans might have come as a bit of a blessing to us in a sense. And and it's 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 horrible to say because we love going a game. It's 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 built within us. You know, we're we we're going week in, week out. We want to be there. We we want to be up close and personal. But it's maybe, especially the start of this season, has done us a favour. What, what, what do you think, Marty, about what you said in, in regards to the, the patience aspect? Do you think that's, that's the, the key thing to take from it? No, I totally agree, mate. And I think, well, I know especially a few of the lads who sit by us, um, you know, if there's, a mispla- if there's a misplaced pass, you know, it's like something out of Jurassic Park, you know what I mean? They're, they're right on people's back. So, um, it's, it, it is a bit worrying, but yeah, I, t- I totally agree with Lee, mate. And it is really bittersweet, isn't it? Um, you know, me, I, I think everyone thought it was the season tickets, but it wasn't, was it? The, the card that comes through your door the other day about the <laughs> discounts and stuff. And thank, thank God it wasn't, because I'll be honest, I nearly burst into tears. Um, <laughs> it is, it, it is that, that bittersweet, isn't it? The way we're playing some great football, but obviously we, we can't be in there to see them. And you, you can just imagine, obviously, a packed out good or some. Seeing the likes of Rodriguez and uh, Alan Zakore, etc., you know, and whoever else may come in for the first time back after that lockdown. And um, like a few people have already said, you know, imagine trying to get tickets for that first away game when fans can get in. <laughs> You've actually got absolutely no chance, have you? Um, oh, wow. But, and I think obviously the way things are, and we all know, especially locally, um, with what's happened over the last few days, I think it's going to be a good while before we get back in as well. But hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I think when you see obviously other countries, Germany being a prime example, I think Dortmund had eleven thousand fans in this weekend, nine thousand a bit before. You see a country that system in place, and you know it's that's the most frustrating thing. But we would like like to get political on this podcast at all, of course. You know it's it's out of our hands and nothing to do with us essentially. But it's it's so frustrating that we can't be at that point in time where we we are allowing even if we're getting you know 12 15,000 Goodison Park imagine it for me so some fans is better than none I, I, you know I know it's when we do go back it's going to be stays it's going to be staggered you know it's not ideal we want to all be in there we want us to be 40,000 you know people you know going off their heads or you know we want, we want that that loud Goodison roar all the time but I think getting some fans back in it is, is a step in the right direction. For me, it's one of the safest places that you can be. You know, someone said there was 3,000 people this weekend in the Royal Albert Hall watching the Nutcracker or something ridiculous. Yeah. In, indoor place, in London, you know, for the elite, that's allowed. You, you, you're working man's and women's game, football, you know, outdoor, reduced capacity is not allowed. doesn't make sense to me, but I don't make the rules, do I? But... For me, we've we've got to get fans back in there, and like like Lee said, you know, massively, you know, that point about patience is key. And we and Carl, I mean, Carl's always got to get patience, isn't he? You know, it's Carlo Ancelotti. At the end of the day, he's he's won everything there is to win in the game, so he's going to get patience straight away. But to have us playing the football that we're playing, especially in an, an attacking sense, and turning teams over, and 
bring in the fans' confidence that even if we can see the goal, we go and score two more. Don't you worry about that, you know, because the quality is there. To be in that position is great. Um, and we're probably one of the sides who, who are benefiting massively at the moment from not having that extra pressure uh, from, from fans, especially certain players, as, as we've said already. Um, but let's hope we're back in sooner rather than later. But, so, you know, just, just quickly while, while we're on that point about teams benefiting and we've crazy results, as we're recording at this moment in time, um, Villa are playing Liverpool and the current score half-time pretty much is Aston Villa 4, Liverpool 1. So no, 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 no fans, no fans of Villa, and I take no pride by the way sharing a later score. Just want to get that straight as well. Um, but that shows yeah what the impact of having no fans. But imagine, but imagine Villa Park tonight. You know, imagine oh, my game. Uh, if, if it was that score, because Villa look good. Villa look good this season. You know, we think they they, they fought pretty well, um, and it just shows you. The impact of having not having that they, those those fans there, but don't worry, lads. It's still forty-five minutes for another three dubious VAR decisions. Well, <laughs> well, I'll await it. You know, I'll I'll update at the end of the podcast to see where we are. Um, but yeah, Peter, I think you're right there. There will be there will be some kind of dubious comeback on the cards. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about that. Um, I'll tell you one thing though, right? Our, our our results so far, obviously beating Spurs. Being West Ham in the week, albeit obviously they played, uh, or we both kind of played a semi-weaker teams. Those results are looking better by the day, aren't they? I mean, West Ham had a great win today, three 0 away at Leicester. You know, Leicester have had obviously you know won three out of three, um, and obviously uh, you know Spurs. Spurs are flying at the minute. I mean, Harry Kane and Son can't stop scoring. You know, they they've absolutely hammered Man United today. Six mm-hmm. uh, one, I think the final score was. You know, and. These results, you know, are looking better by the minute, like I said. So, you know, it's great to see. And like you said, Mike, Villa, I think Villa have signed well. You know, as controversial as this is going to sound, I think Barkley's a very good sign for him. I think they'll have him him and Grealish. Him and Grealish running with the ball in midfield. Already in this half against Liverpool, it's causing issues. Um, You know, I think he will be a good signing for him. And Villa have signed well. They've signed to good players. And, you know, West Ham, as I said, albeit we won the game in the end. Again, at 2-1, the game was in the balance, wasn't it? You know, I thought West Ham played pretty well against us, I must admit. You know, we're just so ruthless going forward at the minute. Um, we're just putting teams away because we're not only are we creating loads of chances, we're being quite clinical as well, aren't we? Um, yeah. But, yeah, just thought I'd mention that. <clears throat> but, no, you're totally, totally right. Uh, but we, we, we are going to... Look ahead now. Well, that was a couple of weeks. Uh, international games coming off. Bit of a break. Give us a, a bit of a break ourselves next weekend. Um, but we are going to look ahead to the Merseyside derby, uh, October the seventeenth. Early kickoff, live on live on BT. Again, you know, it's such a shame no fans are going to be there for that because we're we're sitting top of the tee as we speak. Four wins out of four. Liverpool obviously got the chance to, to join us on twelve points if they can turn it around against Aston Villa. Um, what a Merseyside derby it could be! You know, we, we've just we know how good Liverpool are going forward. We know that, but they've shown massive defensive frailties. Shown against obviously tonight as, as we record, conceding goals. We've got a great chance there, and we Matty to 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 take the scalp of Liverpool and win our first derby for ten years. Definitely, Mike. Yeah, and I think 
obviously we all know we've had a few close shaves, haven't we? I think the last few years. I mean, you think considering the way we come back after the lockdown, obviously we didn't play really well. But you know, Tom Davis comes in and risk it of winning the game for us late on. Um, and then obviously you look at the the players we've signed in the summer, and obviously the confidence that we're playing with. Um, obviously we said there about obviously the half time results. Uh, Villa Park. Why can't we? Why why can't we? Why can't we go there and turn them over? Um, and obviously with it being long overdue, and I think especially with Carlo in there, and obviously some of the some of the players that that we've signed in terms of their mentality, they'll be they'll be going into that full of confidence. I think that that we can get the results. Why not? And you know, I think that the key thing for us for that game is we've seen haven't we in in the last say. Um, Week or so, we've seen injuries to key players. We've seen a Charleston obviously broke down again uh, against Brighton. James Coleman sort of tweaked his hamstring, it looked like, against Brighton. Alan, a couple of weeks maybe with uh, an injury picked up against West Ham. Uh, obviously, we know Holgate is probably not going to be making the derby. Brantwaite, he would probably wouldn't start anyway. But we've got we've got a few injury concerns, haven't we, along, along the way there. And we've, we've also got you know the transfer window is, is going to is is keeping up the the deadline will pass uh, over the next couple of weeks. There's a lot of talk. Moise Keane is in Paris as we speak to sign his loan deal with PSG. Uh, we've mentioned already Godfrey is is obviously due to be unveiled very very shortly. There's talk of uh, Milik potentially coming, Lorente potentially coming as that as that other striker um, to to come off the bench for for Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, there's still talks. The Zaha talk never goes away. Of course, it doesn't. So there's there's things to be done over the next couple of weeks as well before the derby even even kicks off in terms of getting players fit, key players fit first of all, and also integrating new players into the side and and getting getting obviously a little bit of deadwood out of the door as well. But it's it's a key game, isn't it, Pete? It's it's such a key game for us. To, it's a bit of a, a to, to show where we are, a bit of a measuring stick at this early point in the season. We, we're sitting here, we're celebrating with seven wins from seven games. We're, we're looking great going forward. We, you know, the, the Tottenham win, I think, was, was a great win, as much as people said, oh, you know, poor Tottenham size. Well, the turn everyone over at the moment. So it wasn't not, not, that, not, not that poor, are they? But this is a good measuring stick to see where we are against one, you know, potentially one of the best sides in Europe as we speak. Well, it's it's the best litmus test you could probably come up with, isn't it? There's, there's nobody better to play. My only hope is that after the internationals, we go that you know we play them with a full strength squad. Um, but yeah, for me, we give them lots and lots of problems, um, and I think we can prove a lot of people wrong. What do you think, Lee? I mean, in terms of the game, Pete saying there about you know proving people wrong, we've been dismissed. I think, even at this particular point, we've been dismissed by by your usual usual pundits, um, and you know we always go back to the time what do fans want? That famous line, well, this is what we want, this is what we're doing now. You know, we've got one of the best managers in the world, proven what he can do, what he can bring, who he can attract to to Everton Football Club. But what do you think? What what's the importance of this derby game? Is it? You know, Pete said it's you know it's the biggest litmus test that you could you could have at this moment in time. How important is it if we want to show people that we're the real deal this season? It's massive, mate. It's massive. You know what? I'd love to play. I'd love to play them right now, before the international break. You know, because as I said before, the key word is momentum, and we have got 
bags of momentum at the minute. You know, we're playing with so much confidence. It's unbelievable. You know, a two-week break, you know, albeit obviously most of their players, most of our players will be away on international duty. It, you know, that could affect, it could, it could almost be like almost like a semi-restart again, couldn't it? Two weeks is a long time without playing the league game. And Pete just said it there. The key is we've got to make sure everyone comes back fit. You know, that likes of Hammers, like you said, going to Colombia. Um, hopefully, um, you know, likes of Alan and things like that won't be going away uh, uh, you know, because of, of his niggle. A few other lads, hopefully, as well, will be staying at staying at Finch Farm. But, you know, the key is hopefully we won't lose that momentum uh, when we come to play him in two weeks because this is a real opportunity here, a real opportunity to, you know, to really raise the roof in terms of confidence uh, for the team. I mean, we're flying now as it is anyway. But if we can get, if we can win that game, and we're certainly playing well enough to win that game, by the way, if we can win that game, that will really give us a massive, massive uh, injection of confidence. It will lift the whole club. It will absolutely lift the whole club. It will be a mentality. You know, you can see the mentality shift happening already. By the way, you know, with the away win at Spurs and with the you know another away and a couple of other away wins we've had already as well. I think that will really raise the roof in terms of confidence, and we could go on a serious run then. Um, and I think you know, as stupid as this sounds, if you want to say it, I think Champions League is not out of the question at the minute, boys. And that's not trying to get carried away. You know, with, with the teams in transition, Chelsea have got loads of teams, you know, loads of players to integrate. You know, they won again yesterday, but they didn't look good. They got they, they got quite lucky, in my opinion. Um, you know, Arsenal semi-transition as well, although Arteta has you know has got them play, playing decent footy, but you know, I think we can we can give certainly give them a run for the money. United, as they've shown today, are in complete disarray. Rumours again now about Solskjaer potentially getting sacked. Um, so yeah, there's a real opportunity for us here, and I hope we grasp it. But I just hope you know it, we're certainly due a win, aren't we? We're certainly due a win, and we're not. We, I don't. I can't think of a derby. I'm not sure you guys can, where we've been playing this well going into a game. We've had derbies where we're going into and they've maybe played a weaker team, we've thrown it away, or you know they've had their third choice keeper in nets or whatever, and players out injured. But you know we're going into we're going into that game with so much confidence now. Uh, and providing we can put that team out of, you know, Decore, James, Alan, uh, you know, uh, the, our defensive line, and obviously the three boys up front, then we will, we will, we will really give them a game, I think. And like you said, when, when have we gone into a derby when we've been in this kind of form? You know, we 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 don't normally do it. We, we've come close the last couple of years. I've made Goodison a couple of nil nils, and you know, the one after lockdown when Tom Davis had that chance. Uh, which took a little, a little nick and just took it wide of the post. You know, we, we've come close to it, to beating them, and and deservedly so, in my opinion. And that's with you know, after lockdown last season, we, we were terrible. Let's, let's get it right. We 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 put in some decent performances along the way. You know, probably 60, 60 minutes against Leicester looked good. Sheffield United away was probably our best performance. Looked okay against Norwich, but a lot of the games post lockdown we we were poor. Um, but we're gonna go in there. Full of confidence. Injuries, as we said, is key. Players coming back from international fit is also key. We mentioned Hammers coming back so close to the game. You know, you, you've got to make sure that when he flies back, he's he's got a double bed on the plane flying back from South America. He, he's got a little gym, a little recovery area for himself as well, just for him. You know, he's got to make sure he gets gets the works on the way back because we need him to be fine on all cylinders. But I think your point is about Champions League. Europe, you look at the start of the season, 
And if you look at all the sides, all the sides, including ourselves, we've got frailties. And even, you know, the, you look at Man City, they weren't that great for a long time against, against Leeds, I didn't think. Um, City have struggled so far this season. They're struggling to find their identity yet again. Liverpool, you know, only halfway through the game as we speak against Villa, you know, four-one down. When's that ever, ever happened in in recent years? That, that Liverpool side, um, obviously the the um, the inhalers are running run a bit low at the moment at Anfield. I don't know, you know, don't quote me on it. <laughs> uh, um, but but you know, it's it's funny. It's a funny funny season so far. Where we're seeing a few. Strange results we're seeing, like you said before, Matty, a lot of away wins, goals galore, just goals are flying all over the place. But we can certainly, certainly give them a run for the money, can't we, Matty? We can certainly go in there full of confidence, expected to win the game. Yeah, why not, mate? Exactly, why not? And I think, similar to what Lee said before, I think that, that first results away at Tottenham, to get the three points there, I think was absolutely huge. Um, huge for the for the club, for the players. And I think obviously we, we've kicked on from there. Um, but you look, obviously look at our lineup, and like you said, fingers crossed it'll be a fully fit eleven. Um, you know the settled eleven, which again it's fantastic, isn't it? Considering you know you look at the the, the way the team's been the last few years, to, to have a settled eleven that we're all happy with, and we know we'll be able to do a job, is massive. Um, but obviously going into that game, and like you said, obviously in terms of the results, you know what's what's going to happen with the results of Villa Park. But they they certainly won't be. Uh, Relishing coming to Goodison um, with the way we're playing. So let's, let's get put on the back foot early um, and obviously have a good go. But I think I think Carlo as well, you know, you know Carlo's record over them as well in terms of, you know, um, teams that he's managed. Obviously, you don't really have to look at when he was at Napoli um, and the job that he'd done on them. Um, and in terms, obviously, the players he had at his disposal a few months ago, he, he more or less nearly done the job again. Um, but yeah, let, let's put it to bed. Even me, me little lads, me little lads too, the, the following day. So we even just even just to do something for him, you know, let's let let's let's finally put it to bed. Um but like Lee said, it, it would be absolutely huge and massive, massive for the rest of the season. Cause like you said, Mike, in terms of the results, the way they've been, um, why can't we why can't we push up there? And I think as well, what would be massive going going forward is you look at these teams that we're looking to sort of take over. They've obviously got Europe coming up soon. Um and especially with the fixture pile up and stuff like that. We haven't we obviously haven't got that um in terms of Obviously, when the Carabao Cup comes round, which is uh, just before Christmas, isn't it? So we haven't obviously got that fixed overload that, that some of these teams have got. So yeah, let, let's just keep pushing forward, lads, and uh, fingers crossed for a win in a couple of weeks. So we we, we go in with our, our strongest and best eleven. Then let's have our predictions for it. Please, I'll come to you first. What are we saying? We've got we've got the best eleven. Hamez has come back from uh, South America. He's fit as a fiddle. How's it going to finish? Two one, two one Blues. Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin. Lee? Pete, this is the most optimistic I've ever seen you in about <laughs> 10 years, this, mate. Um, just about it last. No, <laughs> no um, yeah, I, I have to say, I think this is, a, like I said before, a massive opportunity to win. Um, they are frail at the back and we can get out, you know, we can get hammers pulling the strings um, you know, we keep on harping back to that game, you know, when Gomez ran the show, when we went to Anfield and that, you know, Gomez was arguably our only creative player in that team then. You know, we've now got Gomez, we've now got Hammers, we've now got obviously others who can do, you know, a bit of magic. So, um, if we can put that fully fit team out, 
I think we'll beat them. And um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's going to be goals. I'm going to say three two, three two. I'm going to say three two. And I think, I think Dom, Dom will definitely uh, grab a couple because the form he's in. I hope he leaves one on the on, on Van Dyke as well, and then he gets the yellow card for that penalty he should have had uh, a couple of years ago. But um, no, definitely, definitely. I think I think we'll win three two. Matty. Um, I'll go three one to be honest, lads. I think uh, obviously I can't see us keeping a clean sheet because <laughs> you don't tend to do that. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of you know the the attacking prowess that we've got, um, and obviously the players we we can pick from. Yeah, like Lee said, I can see Tom getting one. Um, I fancy Zakore maybe to get his first goal, um, and maybe Alan as well. Maybe an Alan Pard driver twenty five yards out, maybe to seal it. Fingers crossed. Let's also mate. Let's also. I'm going to jump into two one camp as well. I think. I think. Listen, they're there for the taking. I really do. If we can go in there with a fully fit side, we. I keep on saying this. We are going to cause sides damage because we've got that belief, we've got the quality up top that we will score goals. I'm going to score goals every game. If you know, if if, if we if we play the kind of football we've been playing in the attacking third and the transition from defence to attack, we are going to score goals. I'm saying two one. Calvert Lewin, of course, will score. It, you know, it's it's it is water wet. You know, Calvert Lewin scores goals. That's that's what that's what he's all about, isn't he? Um, and I'm also going to say, I fancy a, a Luca Dean free kick in that game as well. I think he I think he scores free kick. He's due one. He's you know he's definitely due a free kick. Luca Dean. He's um, been fantastic. He's been fantastic this season. He's looked like Cannavaro at the back when he played centre back. Centre back as well. Yeah. He's got, he's got yeah, the same he's... height as Fabio, isn't he? Yeah, uh, looks good, no, one thing I wanted to mention just quickly, I mean, um, you mentioned before, Matt, about obviously other teams having midweek fixtures and things like that. You know, has it been to our advantage that, you know, we haven't really had a pre-season, possibly? You know, I mean, a lot of the teams that stayed in Europe, you know, um, have come back, certainly don't look fit. You know, the likes of City, the likes of United and others. Um, so maybe that has given us a little bit of an advantage. Um, one thing that's a slight concern, obviously, you know, if, if you look at the, the way we're playing, the way we're sort of pressing teams high, we're playing with a lot of energy. Um, certainly, the complete antithesis, antithesis, sorry, of the way Carlo was getting us to play and win games last season. You know, we were almost winning games, being hard to beat, weren't we? Uh, so he is playing front foot football. But the downside of that, I mean, how many injuries have we had? I mean, is it you know, Coleman's tweaked his hammy now. Obviously, with Charles not to go off. You know, I've never seen anything like it in the cup game. You know, what I mean, we had three players go off in the space of five, ten minutes, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, like we said, it's not too serious for Alan. But um, I mean, it, do you reckon this is a sign of what not really having a preseason and us playing? Obviously, you know, let's be honest, quite high energy football and having you know two get two three games in a week. Hundred percent, I think. And you know, Matty said then after. Well, after this week, you know, it's over now. We, we haven't got two games in a week now. We, we've got, you know, obviously international break. We've got one game per week until we meet Man United in the uh, in the Carabao Cup on the 22nd, 23rd of December. So that will really help us, I think, to recover from games. And I think, you know, like you said, the, the pace and intensity that we do play at and have played that, it does it does impact. But you, you, you look at some of the injuries, the likes of like, um, Kenny Richarlison, they were impact injuries, weren't they? I don't know whether that would have, uh, have happened or not happened if we didn't have so many games. It's one of those things. But Alan, maybe, you know, Coleman, most definitely, you know, they're, they're the kind of injuries which probably occur due to, due to 
uh, a bit of fatigue over a short period of time. But let's hope, as I say, we're all fully fit. We're all good to go for the derby, and and we can we can turn them over and and keep top spots in the Premier League because that that would be would be fantastic for ourselves and such such a, as you said before, Lee, such a mentality shift for us to go and win that game. You know what what a start of the season that would be. But there we go, Matty. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for inviting me, lads, and uh, take care. Fingers crossed in a couple of weeks, eh? Exactly, right, mate. We we will be back after the derby to 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 look back on hopefully a positive performance from Carlo Ancelotti's Everton, um, and then look ahead when we we're going to be travelling to Southampton the following week, which is another another difficult game. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna finish the show. We're gonna see the show out with uh, the thirty odd seconds of the number three song in the official UK Top 40. So we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Holy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.